Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. Thank you to everybody who is here. Thank you everyone for coming out tonight uh, here at Chicago Athletic Association Hotel. We have a great panel. It's called Breaking Tech. We're going to be talking about the role of diversity in the tech culture and tech companies. And we have an incredible panel here tonight that I'm going to introduce. Uh, going down the line, we have here tonight with us um, Jared Hunter, uh, Sales Development Specialist at LinkedIn. We have Bridget Johnson, Account Manager at Twitter. Yeah, we can clap. Let's clap. Um, Fabian Elliott, co-founder and CEO at Black Tech Mecca, and Jasmine Smith, sales planner at Spotify. Let's give it up for all of our panelists tonight. Uh, my name is Haima Black. I'm the host and founder of Dynasty Podcasts. We're a music and culture, technology, et cetera, podcast based in Chicago. So we're going to be talking to our panelists, of, like I said, about the role of diversity in tech. And then and after about 40, 45 minutes, we'll open it up to questions from the audience. So please stick around. Please have some great questions in mind. And also please help yourself to some snacks because Twitter was goodly enough to bring us some snacks today, <laughs> which is legit. So um, I know I gave us a brief introduction, but if everybody wants to go down the line and kind of talk about what you do in your role and give us more about yourself, that'd be great. And you wanna, we don't have to go in a specific order, whoever wants to start. I can start. Okay. <laughs> um, cool, yeah, so I'm Bridget. I'm Senior Account Manager at Twitter. I am on the revenue and partnership team. So I essentially partner with brands to tell their story, their marketing story typically, um, on Twitter. Usually this is in the form of ads, but other times it is in the form of organic integrations. Um, it's in the form of sponsorship integrations. Target is one of my clients, and we recently worked this year on the Lil Yachty Grammys uh, performance. If you saw that. So they had a Twitter integration with that that was essentially a very large ad. I'll keep it going. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, my name's Fabian, and uh, Black Tech Mecca, we're uh, a data-driven think tank that basically helps cities strengthen their black tech ecosystems through research, education, and advocacy. So over the last year, we hired a team from UIC uh, to partner with us to uh, create a framework where now we can actually evaluate the health of a black tech ecosystem across academic, corporate, and entrepreneurship um, in a city and produce a numerical score. And so our Chicago report actually comes out next week. So we're really excited about that. Uh, no other city has done this type of research uh, for the black tech community. So uh, we're happy to be doing that. And I'm happy to be just playing my role to make it happen. Oh yeah, sorry. And last, um, in, in addition to Black Tech Mecca, I'm an ad tech consultant at, at Google. Uh, so working on our digital advertising business. Shall I go? <laughs> um, I'm Jasmine. I work for Spotify. I work on the advertising sales team. Um, I'm a sales planner. I help manage campaigns, similar kind, kind of to what Bridget does. Um, but pretty much I generate revenue every quarter to make sure that uh, we meet our goals. We work with different advertisers such as McDonald's, uh, Plato's Closet. It's a wide variety of uh, different companies that we work for. But uh, yeah. Can we move your mic a little bit closer, Jasmine? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Of course. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm Jared. I'm a sales development specialist at LinkedIn. Um, at LinkedIn, I support two lines of business. So I'm pretty sure most people know LinkedIn is like where you go to find a job type deal. 
Um, so that is our talent solutions business. So supporting that business and partnering with our account managers um, and then also our relationship managers to bring in revenue, um, but then also supporting our business solutions. So if anybody's on LinkedIn have heard of Sales Navigator, um, I also support that business and allowing companies to basically leverage LinkedIn in order to build business through a business-to-business -business format. So again, really incredible panelists here tonight. And you know, to kind of come like expand on the introductions, um, would you guys mind talking a little bit how each of you got your start in the tech space? Because I'm always interested because it's always different for each each individual. Sure. Sure. I'll go first. Uh, for me, uh, it was very spontaneous to be honest with you. Uh, never really thought about getting into the tech space. I was just telling Fabian, uh, my first introduction to it was the first job I got back uh, when I was here, in, got back from Chicago, from LA, um, and I worked with this events company, and I got my degree in sport management, and I thought the events were gonna be like cool, live events, but ultimately there were conferences for like C-level IT executives from the Fortune 100. Um, so that's how I got my start. Ended up leaving there um, and ran a startup for about seven months and still running to this day. And then LinkedIn literally recruited me for four months and then now I'm there. Cool, all right, cool, I can go next. Um, yeah. So I actually got my start in journalism. This was right around the time that every magazine was shuttering, so print journalism was really no longer an option, um, coupled with the fact that I've always been interested in the internet um, and social media and how it can spread information very quickly and fluidly. Um, so I started thus in search engine optimization, which is an iteration of um, writing on websites to make them more attractive to search engines. I worked at a startup in Indianapolis for about three years and then at a digital marketing agency um, I prospect here in the city for another three years, um, wherein I led the paid search um, ad team and kind of the onboarding of that team as it was pretty new in the arena. Um, from there, I started at Twitter about three years ago. I really kind of wanted to work for a company whose uh, mission I really believed in, and I hadn't really gotten that opportunity to do that before. So working at Twitter is kind of my dream job in that way, and that I get to you know, use the skills that I've honed in regard to digital advertising um, and fuel a company that is um, kind of doing something for the world, and not everyone who works in ads can say that they're doing that. So um, that's, that's, that's how I got there, and that's why I'm staying. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, similar to, to Jared, originally I had no interest or didn't even see a you know, pathway into tech uh, for myself. But one thing I always advocate for is whatever you're already passionate about or whatever you're already doing, you can just find what is an intersection with technology. And that's what happened with me where um, I studied marketing. You know, that was my first love. And uh, while trying to get a marketing internship, I wasn't able to. And I ended up interning at Target doing retail management, like in the trenches. Like it was, <laughs> it was a real deal. Um, but I was fortunate to then be able to get an internship uh, with Google within their sales department for retail. And so it was interesting how then that led to uh, the full-time opportunity um, on the technical operations team that I work on now. And it's just been the merger of marketing being a gateway through advertising technology into the big, bigger realm of technology. And so uh, that was you know, my path into the tech world. Yeah, my, my story is quite similar. Um, I got recruited uh, for an internship uh, for the ad sales team and essentially 
during my time there, I realized that, well, first let me back up. I picked up all my things. I moved to Chicago. I was in the midst of uh, pursuing my uh, master's degree. And it's like a humbling road that you go down, right? In terms of like deciphering whether or not you want to do an internship versus whether you want a full-time role. So I decided to put my pride aside and intern while I was in grad school. And lo and behold, two years later, um, I've been working at the company ever since. But um, that was really my path, being recruited for internship. Um, and then while I was there, like I said, um, it was more so of I actually like it here. I like the culture. I like the work. Um, I like our North Star goals. Like I like everything that we stand for. And um, I knew that I just wanted to stay there. So as a segue, they hired me on because uh, I busted my ass mostly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So and I feel like this has started to be answered a little bit. But what either got you guys interested in the tech industries or what is making you interested and excited to be working in tech right now? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> um, so at the time when I got recruited, um, it was the U.S. head of um, ad sales who recruited me. Uh, his name is Brian Berner, great guy. He is also my mentor. Um, but just knowing the work that he did and where we were headed as a company, um, and so much change has gone on since, what, two years ago until now. Um, so many integrations, so much more new content, so much more new music, and um, just overall where we're headed. So I knew for a fact that I wanted to uh, to to join the company. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For me, it was just the power of like seeing these huge problems that might exist, and then someone just sits behind a keyboard and a screen and just creates these amazing solutions and makes a ton of money, you know, doing it. And more so, not only the wealth creation, but the thing that really attracted me and continues to attract me to it is the ways that you can actually solve big problems and really change the world, leveraging technology, leveraging data, lever leveraging insights where it, it wasn't always possible, you know, in the past. And so I think that's the thing that's always uh, continues to attract me, you know, to technology is I'm not as always interested in how everything exactly happens and works, but the application possibilities of technology is what uh, really excites me and, and keeps me motivated. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, it's a culture of innovation, and I know everyone throws around that word all the time, but what I mean by that is it's a culture of kind of forced change. Um, our arena is changing so fast um, and everyone has to keep ahead in that way. So it's information sharing um, wherein no one is truly an expert at all times because information changes so quick. Um, the expertise changes so quick. I think that creates a opportunity for people in kind of diverse situations who maybe we don't, don't come from backgrounds that are needed for more traditional arenas, you can learn everything on the internet and become an expert versus other um, kind of platforms wherein you perhaps have to have been doing it for a very, very long time or you have to have a, a degree that takes you years and years and thousands and thousands of dollars to be successful. It's, it's a kind of phenomena of self-learning and self-teaching and everyone has to be kind of gritty and they have to teach themselves every single day or you fall behind. And I think for me, 
I think it's pretty much what everybody else has said, but if I had to sum it up, it's opportunity, accessibility, and connectivity. And what I mean by that, in the tech realm, there's tons of opportunity to do what we all want to do to some degree, make a lot of money, uh, which is a big thing for me. Um, but anything you want to find out, it's accessible as well. Like when you think about just the internet overall, anything you want to figure out, what do we normally say? Google it. Your parents used to be like, write it in a dictionary, look it up. It's the same thing now with technology. And then the connectivity piece is something that's really important to me because you can shoot someone a message on LinkedIn that you never know, or shoot somebody a DM on Instagram, and automatically you guys can meet up and you can be able to progress yourselves in totally different ways. So for technology, I think it's something that's bringing us all together, but also in a also giving us tons of opportunity in order to grow. Yeah. And so with each of you having established yourself in the tech space, what have been some challenges in that field that you've either experienced or witnessed? Uh, for me, so I started at LinkedIn top of the year. Um, and it's funny that this panel is around like diversity. Um, LinkedIn is known to be a pretty diverse company um, in most areas, especially San Francisco. Um, in Chicago, it's not really. Um, so for me, it was really about figuring out where I fit and being someone that's an entrepreneur already, how do I bring value to this company already? Um, so I've never been the type of person that wants to be the cookie cutter, running a rat race, do all of that. I always feel that wherever I'm at, I want to be able to provide value from like a diversity of thought standpoint. Um, and it was hard to really figure that out at first because nobody really in the office looked like me for real. Um, and to be able to find that relatability to people outside of just how we look, but more in depth to how we think and how we go about problems was something that was a challenge in the beginning. Um, after kind of figuring out how things operated and how people were, I was able to really overcome that. Um, but that was definitely a challenge in the beginning for sure. Yeah, I mean, just to, to add on that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, the topic here is diversity and that Though tech is technically this innovative sharing space, a lot of our leaders all look the same. So overcoming that kind of internally, um, realizing that you don't have to look like those leaders to get support from them or to feel accepted or be able to have the job that they have, I think is something that you internally have to get over. And then externally convincing people that you can do those jobs um, is is a challenge, just as it is anywhere else, convincing someone that you can be successful. But there is kind of a, a, a hierarchy that is probably similar to other traditional, more long-standing um, arenas that is a challenge. Just people are different than you. And like you said, they look different than you. So getting over that and showing them kind of what you're worth um, is always, I think, a challenge. I think the biggest thing to call out too is that, you know, like someone has to take on that role. Um, and fortunate enough, like, you know, I don't think any of us mind taking on that role at the, you know, um, the companies that we each belong to. Um, but the biggest thing for me was arriving in the Chicago office and um, not seeing any other faces of color. And so um, it's been that way for almost two years now. And uh, we put forth initiatives to make sure that we had employee resource groups that were representative of each, you know, ethnicity or background or how, how you know, you like to identify for that matter, um, which leads me to my next um, kind of, you know, when you think about tech companies, it's more so 
yes, we are innovative, but we also are looking for areas to improve on. Um, Google has been around for years and years and years. LinkedIn has been around for years. Twitter has been around for, re for years. Um, and Spotify has been around um, for a few years, but um, as we prepare to become you know, more of a, a, a mature company, moving from a startup to a mature company, one of those things was improving on diversity. Um, and so again, that's one of the first things that I noticed when I was in the office uh, is that there, there were no faces of color and that was my biggest challenge. But it was like, not only is this a challenge, what can we do to fix this? And so taking on that role because someone has to, not everyone can or not everyone wants to, but considering that I wanted to be that change, um, it's just all about you know making strides to to figure out what's next. What can we do to improve um, as a brand overall? Yeah, imposter syndrome is real. Uh, if I had to speak to that firsthand, like if I were to pull out my my Google badge with my picture on it right now, I have glasses on in the picture, but I have 2015 vision. I have very good vision. But when I first started at Google, to feel uh, accepted or to look smarter, I had these glasses that I would wear um, around the office and like to client meetings uh, because you, you, then you, sometimes you didn't feel like you belonged there or that I didn't feel like I, I belonged there or you'd be in a meeting sometimes and people might talk differently or use jargon you're not familiar with and it's, it can be easy to feel intimidated and so what I always advocate or suggest is like if you got the job there, you're just as smart as everyone else. In any meeting you're in, whatever role you're in, you deserve to be there. You're there to contribute value. And that can be a challenge to kind of like break through that mental barrier sometimes. So I'd say, you know, kicking imposter syndrome to the curve and like really having confidence that you're there for a reason you can uh, provide value. So, I mean, this is kind of a very big question that obviously we're not going to solve today in this panel, but just approaching it, what steps really need to happen to bring more diversity to the tech culture? Which again, I know it's a very big, broad question, but, but what are some steps that could be taken? I mean, I think networking is the biggest thing, right? And I think that when you think about diversity and if you are uh, the minority in the office, not saying it's your job to, to make sure that those connections are made, but the likelihood is that people who are already there are recruiting people who kind of look like them. You know what I mean? So it, it, it comes to a point where you have to just make sure that you're doing your due diligence and making sure that um, everyone is being included, everyone is being considered. Any hand that you could have in making sure that there's another face of color in the office or any you know type of diversity that, that you sh see should be there, you should be doing your due diligence. Yeah, I think that definitely that and the support and engagement with leadership on the topic is something that I think is really important. You know, whether that is engaging with a leader who you know is supportive of bringing diverse perspective or whether it is convincing a leader that there should be more diverse perspectives and ERGs and resources put towards that. Um, Jack Dorsey, our CEO, talks often about the fact that our workplace should reflect 
our platform, which is a mix of global voices. And if we do that, we will serve our customers on the revenue side better. You know, every company, all of our companies are trying to sell a product or service. And the recipients of this product or service are a diverse group too. So if our workplace can be diverse, we will better, you know, sell or service our clients. So maybe it's having that dialogue with leadership about the importance of resources for promoting diversity or for recruiting in schools that they wouldn't normally recruit in that have more diverse kind of pools of candidates. But that leadership kind of participation and resource allocation is really important. And if I could tag on to that, yeah, one of the biggest initiatives that we've made um, within the past year is making sure that we're recruiting students from HBCUs. And so we've partnered with you know, ERGs to make sure this is happening, but we have a whole campus recruiting team to make sure that we're recruiting students um, from HBCU schools um, so that they can have the opportunity to get into the tech world. They can have the opportunity to you know, have that same opportunity you know, for, some, for someone coming from a PWI. So right. those things are for sure important, but there's initiatives also that have to be made by the company as well in order for that to happen. Right, and it's like if, when those things happen early enough, I think maybe it, it shows them that that imposter syndrome doesn't need to happen. Exactly. When you because they yeah. are, uh, feel like they belong before they even belong. Yeah, and how comforting <laughs> is it to look around and, and to see something someone similar to yourself, mm -hmm. right? Or just someone who is already in that position of where you would like to be, right? Yeah. I think a big thing as well, too, some things we don't really talk about. When always we talk about diversity, it's with the same people. Um, a lot of times I think we don't necessarily change the narrative or the relatability to our message around diversity to get the people who don't understand it to think about it differently. So for me, I look at diversity the same way I look at money. Um, when you have a lot of money, what does it give you? It gives you options. When you have diversity, it gives you options as well and perspective. But sometimes I think we get so caught up from diversity being about race, being about gender, being about equality, that when we're talking to the people higher up that really have the power to change it, we don't talk to them in ways that they can actually relate to it. They can never feel like what it's like to be black, most of the time never feel like what it's like to be a woman, but if you're able to talk to them in things that they do understand, which is revenue or money, then maybe you can honestly open up that conversation a bit better. So I think how we talk about diversity and how we change it and how we get more people in the room that don't necessarily look like us up here on the panel, I think that's probably one of the biggest steps in general as well. Yeah. So, you know, Jasmine, building off what you were talking about with, you know, the student initiatives, like, what steps could anybody in the room who's a student, or maybe not even a student, but just, you know, kind of at the earlier stage of their career, their journey, what steps should they be taking to approach a career in tech, especially if they are, you know, someone from a more diverse standpoint? I mean, big kudos to everyone who's here. It's all about being in the spaces at the right time, right? There's not a large amount of people here. And so you have folks from, you know, all different um, backgrounds and companies and a, a chance to actually talk to us one-on-one, -on -one, um, which is what I did when I was looking for, you know, new opportunities and, you know, folks that were in the tech world. I found every opportunity to make sure that, um, I net, network with who I need to network with to get to where I need to be. 
Um, so for sure, I mean, being in spaces like this, as well as, I mean, we all have, you know, websites that you can check on. Um, you know, when are those internships coming out? What, what new positions have come up? Or what positions have opened up? Like just being on it every second, there's no time to waste. Like you have to just make sure you're on it um, and be thirsty, as they say, for, you know, that position that you want or that internship that you want. It's all about that tenacity, really. Yeah, could I, could I add on there? Like, what I, I'd build on that, too, where the, like, the basic advice I give, if you're, whatever you're trying to do in any career, and if you're thinking about tech as well, is similar to what Jasmine said, is looking at your network that you're going to need to do that, the experiences you need to do that, and the skills that you're going to need to do that. So we touched on uh, the network piece, and experience is key, too. So, like, while you're you're waiting to actually like break into the field, you know, see if you can do some volunteer work, you know, for a nonprofit or help them with, you know, uh, help them with something that's tech related uh, to get that experience. But then on the skills side, the, the main thing, like the cookie cutter thing I, I offer up is like data analytics, <laughs> like a data analyst skill set can like open up so many doors. So being, uh, knowing SQL, um, even knowing a bit of Python, uh, those type of uh, languages, just get it. I feel like they could open up so many doors no matter what type of role, a sales role, anything you're looking to do. Like understanding analytics is huge because that drives all of our businesses You know that, that uh, we're involved in. Totally, yeah, to add on that, I, I think the internet is a free college education, I think, in our arenas. Like, you can learn probably most of the things that we know technically on the internet. Um, what, what I did, I remember, is I looked at the different job descriptions that I wanted, and I would look at the skills, in particular t the technical skills, the, the tools that I didn't know or I didn't have, and would get them and would research them. If I didn't know what a platform was, a, a data platform, figure out what it is and, and experiment. Also, um, most of our platforms, if you are interested in ad sales, have a self-serve option. And you can spend like $20 um, and create an ad kind of campaign and experiment with what we do if you're interested in that side. Um, so get your hands as dirty as, they, as you can get them, I think, before actually entering um, a situation where you're trying to impress someone. And I think to add on that, um, a big mantra we have at LinkedIn is that relationships matter. And honestly, they really do. Your network is your net worth. It's not just about who you know, but it's about who knows you. So a good example of that is even right now, I'm from Detroit originally, and LinkedIn is getting ready to open up an office. Well, we just opened an office in Detroit this week. And the first person they came to, they were like, hey, we want to hire diverse talent. We know you went to the University of Michigan, and you're from Detroit. Do you have any recommendations? And I sent them a list of like 40 people. But it's all people that I knew that I was able to build relationships with, that I knew could come in, crush it, that this would be a great opportunity for them. So at the end of the day, in any type of work arena, it's definitely about A, being able to get the job done, but B, how well can you politic? How well do you know the people around you, and what is your brand like? So I think that's also really important in terms of breaking into the industry. Yeah, and, and building out on, on all these answers, like not only what are some skills that are valuable right now to break into tech, but, but what are some skills that might be valuable a year from now or five years from now? Maybe, you know, we can't predict everything, but what are some trends you see on the horizon that might be beneficial for, for anyone in the room to utilize now so that that helps them down the line? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, like all the hot stuff you're hearing about as far as artificial intelligence, machine learning, 
all these pieces. It's all because as things come on the line, uh, online, like Internet of Things, there's already too much data out there to even like make sense of, and it's just gonna continue to like astronomically increase as we have smart, like this cup's gonna be smart, this table's <laughs> gonna be smart, everything's gonna be smart and like collecting data, and people are gonna be trying to make decisions and profit off of that. And so, I would say, when when you think about that, cybersecurity becomes really important because now you have all this data. Someone has to protect it. Someone's gonna be trying to hack it. So like that's a a huge trend. When I talk to people in the city, even like the city government, they cannot find enough cybersecurity folks. And the thing is, you can just go get a certification. You pass a test and you almost have a guaranteed job because it's just so in demand. So I'd say that piece and then what I mentioned earlier, like analytics. So how can you make sense of this data? How can you pull uh, and manipulate data to draw insight. So that analyst skill set is going to be super important. So uh, those would be just my, my top line thoughts is just think that there's going to be this huge world of a ton of data and what are going to be the different things that are needed to make value out of that. And I will also say as well, I know a lot of times we talk tech and everybody's like, oh, I need to code or, oh, I need to be a software developer. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, tech companies are growing rapidly. So for instance, LinkedIn three years ago, was 4,800 people, now we have over 15,000 employees. But we have everything from the coders that you would think down to regular salespeople. So it's all about really being able to have skills from a variety of skill sets. Um, one of my good buddies went to law school at Northwestern and he works at LinkedIn doing sales, selling to law firms. But he got his law degree literally like in law and that's what he's really good at. So I don't really necessarily think that you have to have a certain skill set, but just be really good at what you do at the end of the day and then you'll be able to get into anywhere. Yeah, it's almost impossible to stay on the up and up of everything that's going on, right? There's always something new rolling out. Um, and I, I come to work every day and I always learn something new. Every day I learn something new. And if you're at work and you're not learning something new every day, that's a problem. So just making sure that you stay up on the up and up on whatever you have access to. Um, it's really just about more so, you know, you know, talking to your colleagues. My colleagues may know something more than I know. Let me see what they're talking about. Or this team may be working on something that I don't even have any clue about. Let me ask them questions about what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, to hone it in, I think the biggest thing is if, if I could throw out a piece of advice, any company that you're interested in or any brand, what new products are they rolling out? What, what new things do they have going on? Just making sure that you're staying informative or making sure that you're staying informed, rather, about everything that they have going on. If you're interested in that brand, how impressive is it to come back to them and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in this position. I know you guys have this going on. Um, here is what I, I can contribute. Yeah, and just what, a small thing to add on that. Um, there's a wide, obviously, variety of roles, and if you can find a passion point among them, too, yeah. I find, so for me, it's kind of sharing of information and diversity and different voices coming together, and that's why I'm at Twitter. And I'm very passionate about it in that way, and that comes through, that came through when I interviewed, that comes through when I work. So if there's a passion point, whether it's a product or it is the legal side or some part of it that you are passionate about, it'll just make everything easier. Yeah, I think we, if I could add two things. Please. When we talk about, you know, being passionate, I think, to be completely honest, when I was going back to my intern days, I wasn't necessarily 
as stoked to be on, you know, the sales team because maybe I would like to be on the artist marketing team or maybe I would like to be involved somehow in the content team. So I was consistently looking for something to, um, to relate to and to be passionate about. So um, passion is definitely important because joining a team that you are, just to get your foot in the door rather is what I'm saying, joining a team um, to do something that you aren't necessarily passionate about kind of makes no sense and you don't want to get stuck. So just making sure that you find some type of passion um, and actually join the team that you want to is important. And it's a luxury, I think. Yeah. It's good. To, like it, we realize that we're like, say, do what you really like. Like that's a luxury. Yeah. But if you can, it will just make every day make the interview easier. So we're gonna do one or two more quick questions, then we'll open it up to the audience. Hopefully, you guys have some great questions in mind for our panelists. Um, We've talked a lot about how to break in, you know, as, as a person of color or, you know, somebody who has, comes from a diverse background, about how to break into existing companies, but what about the entrepreneurial route? How can anybody in the room, anyone listening, watching this, um, if they say, man, I don't see somebody who represents myself at a lot of these companies, I want to do my own thing, what advice would you have for someone like that? Just do it. Like, if you have an idea, put it to paper, figure out what it takes to put it together, and do it. Um, have a couple buddies who are doing some pretty cool stuff in the tech space. Um, a really good friend of mine named Shaniqua, um, she runs this app um, called Norfi. That for her, she was having a really hard time finding jobs because of what her name was. And she started submitting applications as her name and then also submit an application with the same credentials as just Sean. And she noticed that she was getting way more opportunities off of her name being Sean than her regular name, no matter what the credentials were. So she took that problem that she had and she literally created an application called Norfi to help solve for it. Um, I myself as well too, um, I run a startup in the city called Colossal Creators and it literally was just an idea because I DJed in the city and I work with a lot of creatives and it was like, hey, once you get in Chicago, you're stuck. And we're like, no, we want to be national. We want to be global. How do we go about just doing that quickly? So we created Colossal Creators, and now we support 20 different creative entrepreneurs, and we pair them with Fortune 100 companies. Um, so if you want to be an entrepreneur, take the dream that you have, turn it into a goal, write it down, and just do it. That's really all it takes. That's the difference between people that are entrepreneurs and those who aren't. Yeah, I think one thing to call out is oversaturation. You know, like when you think about just kind of making this about music, because I work for Spotify. <laughs> um, when, when you think about oversaturation, you think about there's so many people in different markets doing the same thing, right? So there's Spotify, that's, there's Pandora, there's iHeart, there's Tidal, and so on. Um, so when you think about the idea or whatever it is you want to contribute to whatever market um, that you're trying to go in, think about um, the oversaturation, right? But also think about, uh, yes, do it, just do it, but also does it make sense? How am I contributing? How will I be better? How am I like going to be the best of the best? You know, we think about ways that we have to consistently stay innovative. When you think about Spotify and Pandora, Pandora, is, which is one of our biggest, uh, biggest competitors, one thing that we've been able to do, I feel, um, better than Pandora is just simply stay on the up and up um, with not only music, but being creative with that in terms of building different playlists for different moments. 
um, and different moods, right? That's something that Pandora doesn't necessarily offer. Just finding different ways to make sure that people would prefer you rather than the latter. So if you have an idea, yes, just do it, but make sure it makes sense and you know, how will I be the best? Yeah, I'd, I'd build on that just very quickly. Be very passionate and then you know, get started, but then, man, team. <laughs> like you will live or die by the team you assemble, especially as an entrepreneur. So just be really careful with, well, be very thoughtful about your self-awareness of what your strengths are. And if you can get a co-founder, but like think of it as a marriage and like be very, like you need to date, you need to like think very hard about like who you're getting into a relationship with because um, being an entrepreneur, starting your own company is it's an amazing journey, but it's a lot of work and you know, you need, you need um, good help, you know, to do it. So I'd say, you know, that's huge. But then if you're looking to do something tech specifically, like a new app or something of that nature, I would check out a concept um, called pre-typing, which is really uh, something that instead of, it's a way to how can you validate your idea with the least amount of resources possible. So before the prototype, even doing a pre-type, so similar to where people have a Kickstarter campaign and they haven't even built the product yet, but they're putting the, the, the thing up there and like have people pre-order or see like, if the market's really ready for this before they invest like building an app. I've seen so many people think they can build it and they will come and you know, it crashes and burns. So just a pre-typing would be something I, I would recommend. Right on, so uh, to kind of close out the discussion before we open it up to Q&A, for anyone in the room here listening to this, watching the live stream, what are some steps they could take today, tomorrow, this week that are going to improve their chances you know, with the tech industry and climate, or how can they approach the conversation in a way where they're really going to demonstrate their value proposition and why they'd be a valuable asset to a team? I think it would start in regard to the latter specifically of kind of a self-assessment. Self you know, look at yourself in the mirror. Uh, what are you good at? And also importantly, what have other people told you, tell you that you're good at? Kind of what is something that is clearly a strength for you? And maybe that's an area to cultivate. Um, maybe that's an area wherein you look in a company that can kind of reflect that, um, that can really use that. So that, that moment of kind of self-assessment, I think, would be a really good place to, to start. And that, you know, look for your weaknesses too. Where can you learn? Where can you educate yourself? Who, who do you know who can help you with those holes? Yeah, I'd say get as specific as you can as quickly as possible about what you actually want to do. And that'll make it a lot easier for people to help you. I, I know I was on a call a few weeks ago, you know, talking with a, a young woman that had just like gotten her analytics degree and she was thinking about what she wanted to do. But it was tough. She didn't know exactly what she wanted to do. And it was tough for me to think about who to connect her with or to give her very specific recommendations. So I would recommend like as quickly as you can get to something you think you want to do, it'll help people be able to start open doors or push, push you in different directions uh, if you're more specific. Yeah. And I mean, to add on to that, what you once you know what you want to do and if you have the experience that aligns at this point it's just more so figuring out ways to be creative um, thinking outside the box you know if you have one person that's in charge of hiring you know for one position and a thousand people are applying it's like what's going to make you stand out get to give you an example um, we had <laughs> 
she actually went viral on Twitter, like amongst like all Spotify, Spotify employees. But um, there was this girl who was trying to apply for this particular position, and she found a way to make her resume look like the uh, Spotify homepage. And she just kind of outlined all of her like different experiences and. Um, you know, so forth, how a resume looks, but it was in the, the form of how the uh, browse page looks, which I thought was pretty cool. And by all means, she got all of our attention, and here I am talking, <laughs> talking about her being creative. So, yeah, I mean, once you have, like I said, the experience um, and, you know, the, the go-tos of uh, who to contact, just figure out ways to be creative. And I would also say to add on to all of that, it's definitely about honing in on your skill, being creative, being crafty. But at the end of the day, be around the right people too because people hire people that they like and that they know. Mm -hmm. So the more people you're around in the industry, the more shoulders you can rub, the more you can give off good brand impressions on people. You never know where the opportunity is going to come from, but best believe it will come. And, and might I add, the, the industry is quite small. You know, even, even moving to Chicago, um, I met these, these folks uh, in a span of time. This is our first time meeting, but nevertheless, it was bound to happen. There's a small group of, uh, you know, uh, black and brown faces in the community. Um, and just in general, like the industry is just small. Everyone knows everyone, no matter what team you're on. Like the likelihood is that if you work for a larger brand, you're going to know someone who knows someone. All right, this has been incredible. I love this conversation. I'm so glad that uh, everybody here tonight was part of it. And thank you, Twitter and the Blackbirds team for really bringing this event to life with us and, and bringing it to Dynasty Podcast, letting us be a part of it. Uh, let's give it up for our panelists here tonight, Bridget Johnson, Jasmine Smith, Jared Hunter, and Fabian Elliott. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.